Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week six, part two. That's right, the Wednesday show. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Hopefully, everybody had a wonderful Tuesday, and now you're ready for a rockin' Wednesday. Of course, we gave out picks yesterday. Uh, don't stop right now. Keep watching the live show. But after this, you can go back and watch the Tuesday show if you missed it. Uh, a lot of fun, long show, hit a lot of different games. We're going to hit a lot of games again today. But before we do that, let's go ahead and bring in the experts. Of course, we will start on the right side of your screen. And to make sure that we keep the stuff going, we hope that we're on the right side of all of these picks. That's, you know how we do it. Kyle Hunter is our professional award-winning handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleHunterPicks. Kyle, good sir. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm doing well, man. And I figured you had to use that again because last oh, yeah. Wednesday was a really good show. So you know, we had to, <laughs> we had to keep the Wednesday show uh, vibes going for sure. Now, I'm excited. We have some uh, under-the-radar games that we think could have some value here today, and I always like those. Oh, you better believe that. Yeah, we've got a, a good mix today of the big games of the evening slate, along with uh, some more interesting under-the-radar, as you said, you know, G5 games that we are going to hit on the left side of the screen, of course, the numbers guy, the numerical guru, as I call him, the analyst at Stats of War on Twitter, Parker Fleming. Parker, uh, we talked about TCU yesterday, so we got that out of the way. But today, uh, we're talking about some teams that maybe a lot of people don't necessarily know about or haven't paid attention to. How are you feeling about these? I'm feeling really good, Gary. This is this is something I think is really fun and why I like that we get to cover so many games is we all have numbers and processes and everything. And it's not like we're, you know, national journalists that only care about the, the big teams that have the big ratings. We have ways to systematically evaluate and talk intelligently about these smaller teams and these more fun matchups. So I, I love that we get to do that. And I, I think today's slate is a great uh, example of us getting to kind of dive a little deeper into some stuff that maybe we wouldn't get to otherwise. So should be fun. You are certainly correct on that. Uh, before we dive into all the reminders, et cetera, first off, go ahead and hit that like button for us if you would so kindly. You guys know we're trying to hit new records every single time out. We hit a new record with 300 likes live yesterday. Uh, so we would like to get there, but first, let's just hit the goal of 100. So let's hit 100 likes first, and then we'll we'll set it accordingly as we go along. And let's do the picks recap. Let's tell you what we have done thus far on the season. Uh, last week ended up pretty good. Not too shabby. Uh, last week, we... Uh, ended at nine and eight, but that's after starting one and seven in the early slate. So uh, not too shabby. On the season, I am sitting at twenty-two nine and one. Uh, Kyle is fourteen and seven. Parker eighteen and thirteen. An overall record of fifty-four twenty-nine and one. That is over sixty-five percent. Not too shabby, gentlemen. Uh, I mean, we're just rocking and rolling. We are more than a quarter of the way through the season, and. And still got a pretty good record here, so we'll keep that thing going. Uh, go ahead and remind you, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel if you have not done so already. That allows you to get into the chat here, which is absolutely rolling with Heath and Raisin Gray and Raphael and Arbone and etc. So you guys know how we do this. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live, and that is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we try and keep it on a regimented schedule here, so... Uh, along with that, if you can't join for the live show, which we would highly recommend that you do because these lines move very quickly sometimes, uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. You can listen to it when you're in the gym, when you're in your car, etc. Easiest way to get all of the possible information if you can't listen to all of it at one time. Uh, let's see, along with that, da -da -da -da, oh, jump in the chat for the Q&A. Of course, we do a Q&A at the end of the show. Personally, it's my favorite part of the entire show because it is rapid fire and we just have a ton of fun with it. 
So toss in your questions, and we will get them curated, put together, etc. And then at the end of the show, we're going to hit as many of those as humanly possible. Gentlemen, I'm ready to hit the games. Let's go ahead and dive into the first one here, and this one. A rematch of last year's Conference USA title game. Western Kentucky heads to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, to take on the UTSA Roadrunners, Meep Meep. And, of course, UTSA, a six-and-a-half-point home favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 73 on this one. Latest numbers over at BetUS. UTSA won both meetings last year. Uh, the over went over in both of those. Uh, Western Kentucky is at 5-1 and one against the spread, their last six on the road. UTSA, 5-1 and one against the spread, their last six at home against winning teams. So trends favoring both teams in this situation. Parker, let's start off with you on this. UTSA's offense is absolutely rolling. The defense maybe not quite as good as last season. And Western Kentucky, I just cannot seem to figure this team out. I didn't think highly of them coming into the season because of all the changeover on offense. But this <clears throat> offense with Austin Reed has been absolutely rolling. What uh, what do you think on this one? Yeah, this this one's a, a lot of fun. Uh, that, that that matchup last year, remember at halftime, looked like it was kind of a blowout, and Western Kentucky came and I scored, uh, I think scored in like five of seven second half drives to really pull that close in the in the Alamo Dome last year. This Western Kentucky team, I dare say, might have gotten a little bit of the Jared Dagey uh, rubbed off on them. Just in the the more you tie in, more and try you more that you try and quantify it, the harder it gets to quantify. A little bit, uh, you know, Heisenberg principle on this team, but. Um, I think that they're really good on offense. They're, they really seem to just have internalized the the core value of, hey, if we throw the ball a lot, we're going to be pretty efficient if our quarterback is is competent. So even with losing offensive coordinator Zach Kitley, they're still throwing the ball, um, uh, you know, 10th most in the nation, only a 42.3% rush rate over, over expected. So pretty, pretty solid there. 21st in offensive EPA uh, per play and 23rd in EPA per pass. So what do we like about high volume passing and high efficiency? We think that's sustainable week to week. So uh, pretty high on that. The, the big, um, worry for me in this game is actually UTSA's defense. This is a little bit quality drop off from last year, but also a lot of injury from last year. They're 104th in EPA per pass, 85th in EPA per rush. Um, they're allowing 5.75 points per quality possession. That's 123rd in the nation. So they, they've got a problem with explosive plays, really seem to have some deficiency, especially in the past game on defense. So I think Western Kentucky will be able to move the ball and, and score here. This total has gone absolutely bananas otherwise i feel like that would have been a, a pretty fun one um but overall I, i've got a slight lean towards western kentucky covering just because utsa's defense is is just been so thin and so poor this season that this high volume high efficiency passing offense with with western kentucky should be able to um generate a lot of opportunities 11th in quality possession rate and finish them pretty well 48th in points per quality possession so slightly towards uh western kentucky uh being able to score pretty consistently here and and, and being able to cover and that does make sense. Uh, it's speaking of scoring, by the way, the over is 11 and one in UTSA's last 12 games. It is 16 and six in Western Kentucky's last 22. So both of these coaches are totally fine with scoring points and letting the other team score so they can get the ball back and go score again. Uh, the schedule strength difference is vast in this one. I mean, UTSA number 36, Western Kentucky is number 129. Uh, this is an interesting spot to figure out exactly what Western Kentucky is, right? Western Kentucky went up against a pretty good defense in Troy last week and was only able to put 27 on the board, but it's not like they didn't have opportunities, right? And speaking of Jared Dagey, I mean, of course, he's the one that came in and won the ball game for Troy last week. 
but yeah, number number twelve in available yards margin for Western Kentucky. They're number sixteen in plays per game. Uh, they are still fast. They still do the same stuff. Kyle, I mean, let's move it over to you. Uh, all the stuff that Parker was talking about. I mean, that pass defense for UTSA, number one hundred one PPA per pass right now in the country. Uh, but Frank Harris is still awesome. I mean, that, I look at this and I think, I mean, it's going to be pointsy, uh, but that total has gone. It, it was at seventy when it opened. Uh, I think it dropped just a touch, and now it's all the way up to seventy-three. I'm curious your thoughts on this one. Yeah, uh, full disclosure, I, I do have a small bet on the over, but it's uh, three points better than what it is now. And and I've always told myself that once you get up to a certain point, you know, you you bet over seventy three. It's hard to win long term betting over seventy three. So many things have to go right. Um, you know, if if we have one really long sustained drive that ends in a field goal, then you probably lost. You know, I mean, we can't have those army drives. Uh, this is a uh, game where I think the over still makes some sense. So if you want, if you missed it, uh, a lot of. Welcome in to the Bet US College Football Show. It is week six, part two. That's right, the Wednesday show. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Hopefully, everybody had a wonderful Tuesday, and now you're ready for a rockin' Wednesday. Of course, we gave out picks yesterday. Uh, don't stop right now. Keep watching the live show. But after this, you can go back and watch the Tuesday show if you missed it. Uh, a lot of fun, long show, hit a lot of different games. We're going to hit a lot of games again today. But before we do that, let's go ahead and bring in the experts. Of course, we will start on the right side of your screen. And to make sure that we keep the stuff going, we hope that we're on the right side of all of these picks. That's, you know how we do it. Kyle Hunter is our professional award-winning handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter, at KyleHunterPicks. Kyle, good sir. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm doing well, man. And I figured you had to use that again because last oh, yeah. Wednesday was a really good show. So, you know, we had to, we had to keep the Wednesday show uh, vibes going for sure. Now, I, I'm excited. We have some uh, under the radar games that we think could have some value here today. And I always like those. Oh, you better believe that. Yeah, we've got a, a good mix today of the big games of the evening slate, along with uh, some more interesting under the radar, as you said, you know, G5 games that we are going to hit on the left side of the screen, of course, the numbers guy, the numerical guru, as I call him, the analyst at Stats of War on Twitter, Parker Fleming. Parker, uh, we talked about TCU yesterday, so we got that out of the way. But today, uh, we're talking about some teams that maybe a lot of people don't necessarily know about or haven't paid attention to. How are you feeling about these? I'm feeling really good, Gary. This is this is something I think is really fun and why I like that we get to cover so many games is we all have numbers and processes and everything, and it's not like we're you know, national journalists that only care about the, the big teams that have the big ratings. We have ways to systematically evaluate and talk intelligently about these smaller teams and these more fun matchups. So I, I love that we get to do that. And I, I think today's slate is a great uh, example of us getting to kind of dive a little deeper into some stuff that maybe we wouldn't get to otherwise. So should be fun. You are certainly correct on that. Uh, before we dive into all the reminders, et cetera, first off, Go ahead and hit that like button for us if you would so kindly. You guys know we're trying to hit new records every single time out. We hit a new record with 300 likes live yesterday. Uh, so we would like to get there. But first, let's just hit the goal of 100. So let's hit 100 likes first, and then we'll we'll set it accordingly as we go along. And let's do the picks recap. Let's tell you what we have done thus far on the season. Uh, last week ended up pretty good. Not too shabby. Uh, last week, we uh, ended at 9 and 8. But that's after starting one and seven 
in the early slate, so uh, not too shabby. On the season, I am sitting at 22-9-1. and one. Uh, Kyle is 14-7, and seven, Parker 18-13, and 13, an overall record of 54-29-1. That is over 65%. Not too shabby. Gentlemen, uh, I mean, we're just rocking and rolling. We are more than a quarter of the way through the season and, and still got a pretty good record here. So we'll keep that thing going. Uh, go ahead and remind you, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel if you have not done so already. That allows you to get into the chat here, which is absolutely rolling with Heat and Raisin Gray and Raphael and Arbone and etc. So you guys know how we do this. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live, and that is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we try and keep it on a regimented schedule here. So... Along with that, if you can't join for the live show, which we would highly recommend that you do because these lines move very quickly sometimes, uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. You can listen to it when you're in the gym, when you're in your car, etc. Easiest way to get all of the possible information if you can't listen to all of it at one time. Uh, let's see, along with that, da, 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 oh, jump in the chat for the Q&A. Of course, we do a Q&A at the end of the show. Personally, it's my favorite part of the entire show because it is rapid fire and we just have a ton of fun with it. So toss in your questions, and we will get them curated, put together, etc. And then at the end of the show, we're going to hit as many of those as humanly possible. Gentlemen, I'm ready to hit the games. Let's go ahead and dive into the first one here, and this one. A rematch of last year's Conference USA title game. Western Kentucky heads to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas, to take on the UTSA Roadrunners, Meep Meep. And, of course, UTSA, a six-and-a-half-point home favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 73 on this one, latest numbers over at BetUS. UTSA won both meetings last year. Uh, the over went over in both of those. Uh, Western Kentucky is at 5-1 and one against the spread, their last six on the road. UTSA, 5-1 and one against the spread, their last six at home against winning teams. So trends favoring both teams in this situation. Parker, let's start off with you on this. UTSA's offense is absolutely rolling. The defense maybe not quite as good as last season. And Western Kentucky, I just cannot seem to figure this team out. I didn't think highly of them coming into the season because of all the changeover on offense. But this <clears throat> offense with Austin Reed has been absolutely rolling. What uh, what do you think on this one? Yeah, this this one's a, a lot of fun. Uh, that, that that matchup last year, remember at halftime, looked like it was kind of a blowout, and Western Kentucky came and I scored, uh, I think scored in like five of seven second half drives to really pull that close in the in the Alamo Dome last year. This Western Kentucky team, I dare say, might have gotten a little bit of the Jared Dagey, uh rubbed off on them. Just in the the more you tie in, more and try you more that you try and quantify it, the harder it gets to quantify. A little bit, uh, you know, Heisenberg principle on this team, but. Um, I think that they're really good on offense. They're, they really seem to just have internalized the the core value of, hey, if we throw the ball a lot, we're going to be pretty efficient if our quarterback is is competent. So even with losing offensive coordinator Zach Kitley, they're still throwing the ball um, – uh, you know, 10th most in the nation, only a 42.3% rush rate over, over expected. So pretty, pretty solid. there. 21st in offensive EPA uh, per play and 23rd in EPA per pass. So what do we like about high volume passing and high efficiency? We think that's sustainable week to week. So uh, pretty high on that. The, the big, um, 
worry for me in this game is actually UTSA's defense. This is a little bit quality drop off from last year, but also a lot of injury from last year. They're 104th in EPA per pass, 85th in EPA per rush. Um, they're allowing 5.75 points per quality possession. That's 123rd in the nation. So they, they've got a problem with explosive plays, really seem to have some deficiency, especially in the past game on defense. So I think Western Kentucky will be able to move the ball and, and score here. This total has gone absolutely bananas. Otherwise, I feel like that would have been a, a pretty fun one. Um, but overall, I, I've got a slight lean towards Western Kentucky covering just because UTSA's defense has is, is just been so thin and so poor this season that this high volume, high efficiency passing offense with, with Western Kentucky should be able to um, generate a lot of opportunities, 11th in quality possession rate, and finish them pretty well, 48th in points per quality possession. So slightly lean towards uh, Western Kentucky uh, being able to score pretty consistently here and and, and being able to cover. And that does make sense. Uh, it's speaking of scoring, by the way, the over is 11 and one in UTSA's last 12 games. It is 16 and six in Western Kentucky's last 22. So both of these coaches are totally fine with scoring points and letting the other team score so they can get the ball back and go score again. Uh, the schedule strength difference is vast in this one. I mean, UTSA number 36, Western Kentucky is number 129. Uh, this is an interesting spot to figure out exactly what Western Kentucky is, right? Western Kentucky went up against a pretty good defense in Troy last week and was only able to put 27 on the board, but it's not like they didn't have opportunities, right? And speaking of Jared Dagey, I mean, of course, he's the one that came in and won the ball game for Troy last week. Uh, but yeah, number number 12 in available yards margin for Western Kentucky. They're number 16 in plays per game. Uh, they are still fast. They still do the same stuff. Kyle, I mean, let's move it over to you. Uh, all the stuff that Parker was talking about, I mean, that pass defense for UTSA, number 101 PPA per pass right now in the country. Uh, but Frank Harris is still awesome. I mean, that, I look at this and I think, I mean, it's going to be pointsy, uh, but that total has gone, it, it was at 70 when it opened. Uh, I think it dropped just a touch, and now it's all the way up to 73. I'm curious your thoughts on this one. Yeah, uh, full disclosure, I, I do have a small bet on the over, but it's uh, three points better than what it is now. And and I've always told myself that once you get up to a certain point, you know, you, you bet over 73, it's hard to win long term betting over 73. So many things have to go right. Um, you know, if, if we have one really long sustained drive that ends in a field goal, then you probably lost. You know, I mean, we can't have those army drives. Uh, this is a a uh, game where I think the over still makes some sense. So if you want to bet this game, I'd probably still bet the over. Um, you know, UTSA has had some really high games, 79 points against Army, 75 total points against MTSU, 76 against Texas Southern. I actually gave up 464 yards to a SWAC team. So uh, it wasn't <laughs> garbage time either, really. They had 17 points at halftime. And Western Kentucky can be gotten as well. I mean, they allowed 27 against Austin P. And I look on paper, the Western Kentucky defense looks pretty good. But you start looking at the offenses they've faced, Austin P, Hawaii, Indiana, who's really not very good. They play fast, but not very efficient, FIU, and Troy. Uh, none of those offenses are even in the top uh, half of the country in yards per play. So, uh, you know, I, I think this does set up as a decent amount of points. Like I said, over 73 is tough. Uh, UTSA's top 30 team in yards per play. Frank Harris is very good. He has star receivers. Um, I don't even know what I would take on a side because I think the jury's still kind of out on Western Kentucky here. Um, I think I know what UTSA is. I'm not sure I know exactly what Western Kentucky is. Uh, so I, I'm going to end up passing this one and just kind of lean to the over. 
And that does make sense. That no official play on this one uh, would have hit the over at 70. Uh, this thing has bounced all the way to 73. I guess one of the good things from this, Kyle, is it's in the Alamo Dome. It's in a set environment. You know that they got speed on that track. So it's, I, I would imagine, if if you wanted to lean the over, uh, highly possible. Um, but, man, not an official play at 73, right? Correct, yeah. I mean, that's, okay. that's, that's a pretty strong lean from me. But, like I said, you know, I have to have a cutoff point somewhere. That does make sense. Let's go ahead and move over to the next game, and this one, a Mountain West battle. Last year, Utah State beat Air Force 49-45. to This year, Air Force, on the road, favored 10 and a half, uh, at Utah State in Logan. Uh, Maverick Stadium, I'm sure, uh, is just trying to figure out what in the world has happened to the Aggies. The total sits at 56. Of course, the latest number is at BetUS. Uh, this is a weird one, 7 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. Uh, Utah State has not looked great this year, and now, of course, Logan Bonner is out for the season with a few, uh, foot injury. Uh, Cooper Legas looked pretty good against BYU last week. Utah State does have a couple of extra days to prep for that triple option offense that Air Force brings in. Uh, can can Legas do it again? Uh, that's a very interesting question because I don't know how fired up for that game BYU actually was, uh, considering they have Notre Dame this week. So it was a bit of a look-ahead spot for BYU uh, Kyle, let's start with you on this. The defense for Utah State is number 120 PPA per pass, number 76 PPA per rush. The defense has not looked very good at all, and now you've got a team in Air Force that not only can run the football, but can find some explosive pass plays when they draw that defense in. Uh, how are you looking at this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, 49-45 last year, uh, Utah State wins at Air Force, so you have this revenge set up uh, you know, with uh, – an Air Force team that's clearly the better team this year. I think both of these coaches are really good coaches. Utah State definitely having a down year. Air Force ran for 439 yards in that loss. So, I mean, they certainly didn't have any trouble moving the football. They were negative one turnover margin. Utah State threw for 448 yards. Uh, the Utah State passing game's way down from what it was last year. I still think they're probably a bit better than they look like they are right now. And really, uh, Logan Ball honor have been pretty bad so yeah i don't know at least this year so i don't know if uh, cooper legas is a step down from him or not uh you know i i mean who has air force pl played so far this year that can throw the football that's kind of the question i have i mean i know utah state's not great at throwing the football this year either so I'm not trying to say that i think utah state will just you know score a ton of points like they did last year but air force their weakness is their secondary and if you look at their schedule they really haven't played anybody that could test that so far this year 47 penalties so far this year on Utah State. I mean, just insane in five games. 18 on Air Force. I mean, that can make a big difference <laughs> in a game like this. So, um, yeah, these two teams look a lot different than they did last year, uh, especially Utah State. Uh, Daniels is a great quarterback for that Air Force attack. Um, I, I still can't believe Air Force lost to Wyoming there a few weeks ago, but I guess we can give everybody kind of a mulligan, and they had several guys out in that game. Uh, Air Force in a revenge spot. I, I like Air Force to win. I'm a little worried to lay double digits here in a game where I think Utah State can score too. So um, no strong lean for me on the side. And I saw a question in the chat about the under. I would lean the over in this game personally. That does definitely make sense. Uh, Parker, we'll, we'll toss it over to you. I mean, that Air Force lost to Wyoming. Injuries, illnesses, had a bunch of guys missing in that game. And, of course, Air Force has never really had a bunch of success in Laramie anyway. I mean, they're healthy now. 
I mean, this team, <laughs> this team is healthy, and they look good. Uh, yes, the last game against Navy, Navy, of course, may be popping a little bit, but those two teams know each other insanely well. They were never going to score a bunch of points against each other. Uh, but Navy, and, excuse me, Air Force got that win over Navy. Uh, exactly what Kyle just brought up here, the massive difference between penalties. Utah State is number 124 <clears> in penalties <throat> per game. Air Force is number four. That kind of stuff really matters when it comes to the scoreboard here. Uh, Parker, tell me. I mean, Air Force minus 10.5. How are you feeling? I, I like Air Force in this spot. I, I was encouraged uh, by Utah State showing a little bit of life at the beginning of, of what I think they consider a rivalry game last Thursday. And, of course, we all certainly root for Blake Anderson and appreciate him. So I was happy to see that. But I still think the market fundamentals on Utah State are pretty bad. They're a combination of maybe uh, a talent ceiling being there where they expected a step forward and some turnovers. So um, the 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 Air Force health, I haven't bet them in a couple weeks, and that, there have been some health concerns. And I, I think I'm back to just kind of the well here on Air Force. They're so efficient in passing, fourth in EPA per pass, ninth in EPA per rush. They're rushing 84.4% rush rate over expected, so 84% more than the average team. Um, the, the biggest thing for me uh, that, that is kind of like a, a team-level stat here is the uh, echo ratio, the ratio of quality possessions, kind of a game control stat, right? Air Force is fifth. 65.8 of all quality possessions in a game belong to Air Force. Uh, Utah State is 113th, 38.6. So I don't know if they're going to be able to um, create enough opportunities, even if they could uh, finish them well, which they haven't done this season. So um, the, the 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 real reason I think that Air Force will be able to kind of outscore Utah State and stay out of pace is uh, Utah State's defense, 92nd in EPA per pass, 75th in EPA per rush. A little bit of a split there, right, suggesting, hey, maybe they're better against the rush, but that's kind of been the issue. The pass defense is so bad here. Really, those pass defensive issues are going to get magnified uh, because Air Force is going to be so selective as to when they pass, they're going to run you know, suck those safeties up and then be able to kind of go over the top and really exploit what I think is a pretty bad defense here. So um, Air Force's defense is uh, a little little worse against the pass. And so maybe there's some opportunity for Utah State there to kind of score a few points. But on the whole, I, I just see a picture of a Utah State team that really doesn't have a lot of direction, might not be able to be as up for this game as they were for the BYU game in that rivalry game last week. I'm going to ride with Air Force again. I, I, I like their offensive efficiency. I think 10 and a half is a, is a fine um uh, a fine line for them to to, to cover. At, I, I will go ahead and tell you, I bet it at nine as soon as it came out uh, because my number is significantly higher than that. And I still like it at 10 and a half along with you, Parker. Uh, looking at the trends, Air Force six and one against the spread their last seven on the road. They are six and one against the spread against losing teams. They just, they beat bad teams badly. Uh, Utah State yeah. 0 and four against the spread at home in their last four. At, that is... This has all the trends heading in the right way, and it looks like maybe Air Force has been a bit undervalued with all the injuries and whatnot, and now, of course, they're back to healthy. I, I think this is just a bad line. So I'm going to roll Air Force as well. Let's make it official. Myself and Parker, Air Force minus 10.5 in this one over Utah State. Uh, and then we just got to hope that Cooper Leggett can't throw the football. <laughs> uh, Gary, I know, we, I know we have a lot of games here. I also am just curious because I, I would – my line is like 13 and a half. How high would you bet this? Uh, I would bet it uh, up to 14. My I mine was over 14. Off of just 14. You were over 14. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah so I was, about, I was about 13 there. Uh, fun. I like when we agree. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we don't always uh, like UCLA and Utah for sure. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's nice when we do. Let's move on to another one. This is another kind of under-the-radar game, but a fun one nonetheless. James Madison. 
heads out on the road for the second time in the Sun Belt to Arkansas State. Centennial Bank Stadium is going to be popping in Jonesboro for this one, I would imagine. James Madison, an 11.5-point favorite on the road, 55.5, the total latest numbers over at BetUS. And, yeah, this is a very interesting game because Arkansas State has not been great, but looking at them thus far, they are 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games. That dates back to last season. Uh, they're 1-4 and against the spread at home against winning teams, but this team has developed a little bit under Butch Jones. At looking at what these teams actually are, James Madison, number 20 PPA per pass, number 8 passing success rate. Todd Centillo, the transfer from Colorado State, has been awesome. This defense has been awesome. I mean, they are just, they're number 7 in PPA per drive right now, just raw numbers. They look really, really good. And they got the win over App State, of course, uh, in App State, the week after game day came, etc. So situationally perfect. Arkansas State, however, James Blackman has been actually really competent. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to start off with you on this. Arkansas State, their defense is just not great. We'll say that. Number 126 PPA per pass. But the number is skewed a bit by trips to Ohio State and Memphis. If their rushing defense can step up a little bit here, maybe they've got a shot in this one. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious how you feel about both James Madison and Arkansas State. First, I want to say shout out to the graphics team. I love that Duke, the James Madison Duke. That was awesome. Um, I think Arkansas State just gives up far too many big plays for me to like this team. Uh, you know, even in the uh, game against Ohio State, Ohio State got, had guys running wide open. Honestly, the Buckeyes were kind of just sleepy through that game, uh, kicked several field goals. I think Arkansas State's back end just has some major problems with uh, getting lost there. Uh, I, I think the story, though, about this one is uh, James Madison defense. I mean, that's just a tremendous defense. I never expected this defense to be so good. First in rushing play success rate allowed. First in yards per carry allowed. 1.57 yards per carry allowed so far this year. Just insane. And I know somebody's going to say they haven't really played anybody that good. But even with the schedule that they've played, that's really impressive. First in defensive habit created. They've allowed only two plays of 30 yards or more so far this year. Uh, very, very impressive. And obviously App State was on their schedule. So they have at least played one good team. Arkansas State's played a slightly tougher schedule, but the Red Wolves negative uh, 1.00 yards per play margin and James Madison plus 2.26 yards per play margin. Just a massive difference there. I, I think this is a fantastic story, James Madison. I love uh, not quite as good as the Kansas story, but you know, I, probably uh, in the top five as far as best stories so far this year. Winning culture that just keeps winning. I didn't expect them to be so good. And, and let's be honest, the Sun Belt's a good G5 league. And they're having success already. This is fun. Uh, James Madison, to me, a team that takes care of business week in and week out. Julius in the chat says James Madison's going to cover every single game this year. I would have to take the under on that one because that's really <laughs> hard to do. But but I do think, you know, if you just keep betting James Madison, you probably could still make money. I mean, this is a this is a team that I still think will probably go better than 50-50 here on out. Uh, just such a well-coached team, a great uh, tradition. I don't trust Butch Jones and Arkansas State against a team that's that well coached. Um, I certainly lean uh, James Madison here. And that does make sense. I'll tell you on the uh, the win totals show that we did before the season started, I took James Madison under six and a half wins based on they play 11 games, the transition, et cetera. They had so many guys transfer out. Uh, this looks like a really, really good football team right now. Now, again, 
what you brought up, the the schedule difference is vast, right? The strength of schedule, Arkansas State is number nine, James Madison number 121. But still, Parker, you tell me, can James Madison keep rolling in their first year in the FBS here? This is as uh, fun a story, I think, as we've got. Like, this is maybe more fun than Kansas, that these dudes are just coming in and dropping points on everyone. That's so fun. Um (laughs) I, I will say, looking at Todd Santillo and how good he's been, you wonder if Jay Norvell's not scratching his head at Colorado State thinking, man, probably could have run the air raid pretty all right with this guy <laughs> if we'd been able to keep him here. Um, I, I really like James Madison. I, I think that um, Arkansas State is is kind of in a maybe year two, maybe year three of putting up one of just the worst defenses in college football on really, really bit, bad and explosive plays. Um their success rate on defense is 72nd, but their EPA on defense is 88th. Like they're allowing way more successful or way more explosive plays than successful plays. 121st in EPA per pass, 58th in EPA per rush. When we see a split, what do we think? Their selection issues, their rush defense is probably not that good um, either. So uh, I'm inclined to believe that James Madison is going to be able to pass against Arkansas State. And on defense um, for James Madison, 12th in EPA per pass, first in EPA per rush. This is a solid unit. Less uh, when teams run against James Madison, they subtract over a half point of value from their from their respective <laughs> score. That's absurd. You can't opponent adjust that to make that actually bad, right? Sure, they're not the best run defense in the country, but they are playing at a top thirty level regardless of their schedule. This is just absurd. And Arkansas State has really relied on success rate uh, to kind of you know, maybe minimize some negative plays, keep them ahead of the chains. And and when things are going well, um, they're trying to be more successful than explosive. They're 61st in offensive success rate, but 110th in offensive EPA. So one, some huge negative plays, but two, they're really relying on skin of their teeth being successful to, to, to keep moving. And I don't know that they're going to be able to do that against, um, against James Madison, negative plays aside. Um, and, uh, you know, James Madison, 10th in third and fourth down success allowed, second on early downs, EPA allowed on defense. Just a really fierce unit. I don't see how Arkansas State scores here. I think that James Madison, I, I wanted this at 10 and a half. Uh, I'm going to take it at 11 here. I'm okay with that. Um, but, yeah, I think I think James Madison should be able to score at will and be pretty frustrating for this Arkansas State defense. And that does make sense. Let's go on and make it official. Parker is going to ride with the Dukes. Minus 11 and a half in Jonesboro. Uh, I can't disagree with it. I really can't. Uh, Arkansas State is not a good football team and hasn't been for quite a little while now. Uh, they're trying to work things back. I mean, a big win over Louisiana Monroe last week. But as we've said in the past about certain teams, Louisiana Monroe ain't James Madison. So, <laughs> easy enough. <laughs> Go ahead and remind everybody uh, to like the video if you would so kindly. We've got a lot of people watching, so make sure you hit that thumbs up button. It looks like that. Along with that, there is the podcast if you are not able to catch all of the live show and you would like to listen to our sultry voices in your ears while you're working out or driving or whatever, you can do that at the Bet US Football Show on uh, any of your favorite podcast apps. So that's the NFL feed and the college football feed, all right there, easy to find, one spot. Leave a nice five-star review if you would so kindly. Jump in the Q&A. Of course, a lot of guys in there already. I've seen a lot of questions. We're excited to get to those. So make sure that you jump into the chat with all of your questions. And, of course, make sure that you're subscribed to the video. Hit the notification bell. That thing's going to let you know when we go live every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you haven't already, of course, make sure and go back and check yesterday's show. A lot of questions about games that we already hit. You guys know what to do. Go hit yesterday's show right after we get done with this one. 
Moving right along, our first big game of the day, uh, and that's no disrespect to Western Kentucky and UTSA, et cetera, but regardless, BYU and Notre Dame in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. Boy, would I love to be there for this one. Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Total sits at 51 on this one right now. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. At this one, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NBC. It is their first meeting since 2013. Notre Dame is 4-1 and one straight up, 3-2 and two against the spread in their last five meetings between the two. Now, that dates back a long, long time since it's been nine years since they played the last one. Uh, BYU is 2-6 and six against the spread in their last eight games. Notre Dame 9-3 and three against the spread in their last 12. So, yeah, Notre Dame didn't start out great this season. Obviously, the loss to Marshall Hurts. But after that, uh, they, they handled Cal, lost their quarterback, but Drew Pine put on a show against North Carolina, uh, to, what, a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, this is uh, a strange spot. BYU, of course, looks to have their first game with Nakua and Romney and Roberts all available. I think that could mean some big things. Parker, let's start off with you on this. Uh, BYU uh, hasn't really played anybody that they've had to get up for since the Oregon game. Now, I'm curious what you think about this one happening in Las Vegas. I am very worried about BYU in this spot for two reasons. Um, One, the Oregon game showed that if a team wants to push BYU's defense around, they generally can. Um, And that would just create an offensive floor that uh, is way higher than Notre Dame's current offensive floor, which could go a long way. Um, They're currently 84th in offensive EPA, 76th in passing, 86th in rushing. BYU's defense, 78th in rushing and 16th in passing. So again, a little bit of split there. They're probably not the 16th best um, passing defense. The second thing is on offense. I I love that they have weapons. They have a ton of weapons, but in offenses like this, reps matter. And when you have multiple guys who are going to command attention from the defense, it's going to be a little bit more processing, a little bit of a gelling process for Jaron Hall to figure out who's going to be open where. We haven't played together. We haven't gotten these reps because these guys have been hurt. So there is a little bit of subtraction by addition there just in in terms of a learning curve that I think could be possible for this BYU offense um they they can't really rush the ball at at all 85th and EPA per rush um very bad success rate there but Notre Dame's EPA per rush allowed is 108th so they've been you know they've actually gotten uh allowed some opponents to run the ball a little bit I think that BYU rushing game will be actually a little bit more important than the passing game just because there will be some gelling and they'll need to stay on schedule to move forward here I have this as a 50-50 toss-up uh, slightly favoring Notre Dame. That's mostly just schedule adjustments, um, which is funny because at the end of the season or maybe even after playing Notre Dame, I think the schedule adjustments might bump BYU in front of Notre Dame, which is just a funny artifact of math there. But I have this exactly as a toss-up, a little bit worried because um, uh, you know the the BYU physicality and the gelling with the receivers. That being said, Jaron Hall could come out and throw five touchdowns against this Notre Dame defense, and I would not blink an eye. I would... I would believe that. So no strong lean here, complete toss up for me. Um, really interested to see kind of if BYU can hit that next gear at quote unquote full strength. And let's move it over to Kyle. The Notre Dame offense did wake up against North Carolina. The running backs, Esteem and Tyree uh, just rolled North Carolina. Uh, however, that Notre Dame defense, not super great. Number 116 in points per scoring opportunity allowed. Uh, so if a team can get there, if they can get inside the opponent 40, uh, they're probably going to be able to score. Uh, give me give me some thoughts on this one, Kyle. What do you think about the fight in Irish and the Cougars here? Well, I, I'm hesitant to give anybody too much credit for perking up against North Carolina's defense. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's just 
it's just going to happen, right, by default. And Drew Pine looked very good in that game, but, uh, you know, I, I want to see it against somebody else. I don't think BYU's defense is great, but, you know, compared to the North Carolina defense, it's a big step up. Um, I will be curious to see if Nakua does play in this one. I know he's warmed up for like four weeks in a row and hasn't ended up playing. I, I assume he'll play here, but Gunnar Romney back certainly helps them a lot. Jaron Hall in the passing attack uh, can be pretty good. Notre Dame is better against the pass than they are against the run, uh, in my opinion. So uh, Notre Dame's played a tough schedule uh, coming off that nice win and then had a bye week. Uh, one angle that kind of goes against BYU here is a top 25 team that is a dog on a neutral or on the road is 326 and 390, 45.5% ATS since 2006. That angle alone doesn't like BYU. I've said this before. Uh, I don't like to bet on those by themselves, but I know that this uh, kind of information that some people do like to have. And on this one, I think it's a, a tight game all the way. I see this as a game that could go back and forth. I would bet the over if I was betting a total here, thinking that both teams could have some success, but also in a game that I think is 50-50. You know, I, I really don't know who's going to win this game. Uh, if you're going to give me three and a half points, I would probably lean toward taking the dog here. I could uh, I could roll with that. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it official. I'm going to take BYU. I look at this. Notre Dame defense is number 117 in havoc rate. BYU's offense, number 12 in havoc allowed. At, they will find ways to keep Jaron Hall upright, find ways to let him find his wide receivers, whether Nakua, Romney, Roberts, et cetera, whoever it is. And I understand, Parker, what you were talking about with that offense needing time to gel, you know, getting the reps in, et cetera. I don't trust Notre Dame to be able to score. And so if they can't score, then I believe that BYU has all the opportunities in the world to find an explosive play here or there. I like Jaron Hall. He's number 26 in QBR in the country right now. Um, their number, their defense is number 56 QBR allowed, number 62 in defensive yards per rush allowed. I think they can slow down Notre Dame enough. I think BYU can win this thing outright, most certainly. So I am certainly going to take three and a half here. Uh, I, full disclosure, I bet it when it was three. Now it's gone against me, half a point. I don't care. I think BYU is up for this game. They've been looking forward to this one for a very, very long time. Uh, Notre Dame, this is just another game for them. BYU, it's something a little bit different. So I'm going to roll with the Cougars here to cover the three and a half uh, because I don't trust Notre Dame to score regardless of what happened in that North Carolina game. That'll move us on. We got another fun, interesting matchup. Southern Miss at Troy. And yes, Troy is a six and a half point favorite over the Golden Eagles. Total sits at uh, 44 and a half, uh, pretty low there in Veterans Memorial Stadium. Uh, those latest numbers, of course, over at BetUS. This one's in Troy. It's 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Troy won this game 21-9 to last year, and this year it is a conference game. Uh, these two teams are 2-2 two and two straight up and against the spread against each other all time, so they've only had a few matchups. Southern Miss is 7-0 and against the spread in their last seven games. They are 4-0 and on the road. Troy is four and one against the spread in their last five. So these are two teams that are really gelling, really, you know, coming together. But Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Southern Miss has got some injury issues. Uh, the linebacker Swayze Bozeman is out for the season. He was second in sacks on the team. Uh, the quarterback Ty Keys is day to day. He's got a cast on his right arm right now. There's some questions with Southern Miss right now. I love what Will Hall is doing. He is a fantastic coach from all the way back when he was at North Alabama. Uh, but I'm I'm curious. How you feel about this one? Uh, I mean, I think this is a fun game. I think two teams that are pretty well coached and are, are improving. 
Uh, I'm going to start out by saying I need some help here trying to figure out who I should root for because I have a season win total over for both of these teams. Uh, I mean, seriously, like uh, Gary Parker, the chat, if you guys could uh, uh, chip in as well. Southern Miss at two. Uh, Troy is at three. I need over six for Troy and over four and a half for Southern Miss. So looking at their schedule going forward, I can't decide who I should really root for in this one because obviously Troy. somebody's either. Yeah. Yes. Dude, I don't know. I think you got to take a Southern Miss win when you can get it. Uh, <laughs> I understand the sentiment there, Parker. I mean, especially with uh, the quarterback situation that, yeah. that Southern Miss has, you just wonder how many wins can come. I think they'll be in a lot of close games that could be tough to win. Uh, they should have beaten Liberty at the beginning of the season. We, Gary, I hate to bring it up again, but Troy, uh, they should have beaten App State. What a brutal yes. way to lose that one. Yes, they should. Uh, but, you know, I... Uh, Sorry, I sidetracked us for a minute there. But seriously, I, I kind of sit, sit and think, uh, who do I want to root for in a game like this? Now, I think Gary has a play on this one, so that might might uh, have a uh, tendency for me to want to lean toward that team. But uh, Daggy went seven for eight at uh, quarterback for Troy last week. Uh, quarterback controversy, uh, maybe. Uh, Powell had only been okay. I mean, he really hadn't been very good. Uh, these two teams have almost exactly the same yards per play margin on the year. Um Southern Miss defensively is 24th in success rate allowed. They do have multiple injuries on defense, as Gary said. Troy has allowed 16 sacks already this year, and I think that could be a bit of an issue here. Southern Miss is pretty aggressive with blitzes, 14 sacks already this season. I think Troy's defensive line is the single best unit in this game of anybody. Uh, the, the Trojans are giving up just 3.39 yards per carry and have 16 sacks already themselves. The more I looked at this game, I, I kind of feel like I should have bet the under, even with Southern Miss's um, injuries on defense. Southern Miss is ultra-reliant on the run. I mean, you talk about a team that's reliant on getting yards, running the football. Southern Miss is, is that team. Uh, Troy is very good at stuffing the run. Southern Miss defense, I think they're still pretty good, even with their injuries. Uh, the total is 44.5 now, so, I mean, that's really hard to take an under. I still would lean to the under. I don't even know what side I would take, so I'm going to let you guys have uh, have your take at this one. <laughs> Parker, uh, we'll move it over to you. The linebacker, Carlton Marshall, for Troy, uh, he has only 44 tackles from the all-time NCAA record. Now, of course, he does have that super senior season that he's working in, so a little bit skewed. But regardless, uh, he is looking for a record. He had 17 tackles in last week's game. Uh yeah, exactly what Kyle talked about. Jared Dagey came in, went 7 of 8 for 71 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, USM, you know, I, I look at them, number 130 PPA per rush and number 118 pass success rate in the last four weeks. Uh, that doesn't include, of course, week one. They've had some injury issues here and there, uh, but this team finds a way to get wins, uh, and I don't really know how to quantify it. So I'm, I'm curious if maybe you can help me out with this. Parker, what do you think about the Golden Eagles and the Trojans? Yeah, well, um, I, I'm I'm having to fight the urge, actively fight the urge to flap my wings like the little kid and uh, Angels in the Outfield <laughs> when you guys are talking about Jared Diggy coming in and having a good game. Um, I think that um, that's that's interesting to me because both of these defenses are pretty pretty decent, and Southern Miss is kind of in that position that a bad team, a team that's bad at everything, right? The the progression is you're bad at everything. You figure out to be less bad at one thing, then you become kind of good at one thing, then you try to be less bad at the other thing, right? And that's what Southern Miss is in terms of stage of development. Injury issues on offense, I think, have kind of helped uh, coerce Coach Hall into 
making that the defensive side of the ball. Cause on offense, you're like, man, Tyke is actually kind of a guy that would be really fun. Instead, Frank Gore had to throw, you know, 25 <laughs> passes last year and whatever down the stretch. Um, so I think the defense here is really good, but I do think that Troy's numbers are um, a little bit more compelling given their schedule and, uh, and they should be able to get some bigger plays They're You know, they're, uh, Southern Miss EPA per pass is, is ninth in the nation. I don't think that's true. I believe that a lot of that is due to selection, 55th in EPA per rush. So um, I, I think that with a high-volume passing uh, offense like Troy, we'll see um, a little bit more aggressiveness, a little bit more stretching, even not accounting for the injuries on the Southern Miss side. Southern Miss uh, rushing 63.9% more than the average team. That's 101st in rush rate over expected. So um, I expect them to play slow. I don't know that they'll be able to consistently uh you know move the ball with rushing 44th in epa per rush for toys troy's defense um even if their success rate has been a little bit higher than than average there so i think that um this is going to be one of those kind of classic mismatches where southern miss wants to play a rock fight i think troy has the edge defensively and has the potential offensively to kind of avoid playing in the mud with southern miss and, and pulling out the win here um the reason i don't have a play on troy here is that my line is seven and i i think the line uh was was six and a half when it when it opened and so I'm, I'm a little bit wary of that, especially with some uncertainty of injuries. But I can understand um, I can understand a play on Troy here, I think. Well, that is exactly what I'm doing. That is my play right here. Troy minus six and a half. My number on it is almost exactly what yours is, Parker. It is just a hair over six and a half. And I don't care because I look at this and I see the schedule difference. Of course, Troy, number 32 strength of schedule. Southern Miss, number 80. And the roster strength, Troy, number 48, Southern Miss is number 83. I, I think, and that's before injuries. So I, I look at this and I think that Troy is significantly better in the trenches. I think that it doesn't matter to me whether it's Gunnar Watson or Jared Dagey. I think either one of them could have a good game. Uh, I think that Troy's just the better team and, and I'm going to ride with it. I like Troy to cover six and a half here. So I'm going to make it official on this one. That one's going on my card. Uh, already been bet at six actually. So... <laughs> Not too shabby. Uh, we'll move along to the Big 12, and we've got a, a pretty big matchup here over in Jack Trice Stadium. Kansas State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Iowa State. The total sits at 45 currently, of course, the latest lines at BetUS. And Adrian Martinez, I mean, doing his thing. Uh, that that two-lane loss looks a little bit more like an anomaly uh, now that Kansas State has gotten into Big 12 play. Uh, Martinez dynamite in this offense so far. He's number 18 in PPA per rush. Now, obviously, <clears throat> not exactly uh, a throwing threat, really. Uh, when you look at Iowa State, there's things to like, especially at home. Uh, the Brock, uh, the, the running back Brock, is questionable in this game. I mean, they definitely need him because the backups ran for 19 carries, 49 yards against Kansas last week. Uh, but Hunter Deckers is good. The special teams, however is not. It is still a disaster. Uh, I don't know how they continue to do this week in and week out. Fumbled punts, missed field goals, just a, a complete debacle on uh, that third side of the football there for Matt Campbell and company. Um, you look at the trends, and Kyle, we're going to start with you here. Kansas State 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six. They are 11-5-1 and one against the number on the road, and Iowa State is 1-6 against the number against winning teams. Uh, all of that seems to hold firm in this exact situation. Uh, however, when you look at this specific matchup between the two teams head to head, Iowa State six and two against the spread in their last eight meetings, and they're three and one uh, straight up in the last four against Kansas State. They've seemed to have their number. I, I'm real curious here, Kyle. Do you have a feel on this game at all? 
Well, uh, Kansas State's plus seven in sack margin and Iowa State's minus four in sack margin. I think that matters quite a bit. Kansas State plus nine in turnover margin, Iowa State even in turnover margin. As I was making my notes late last night, I was thinking somewhere there's got to be a Nebraska fan that's like <laughs> seething. That, that an Adrian Martinez-led team is plus nine in turnover margin. It's got There's got to be one of those out there. Um, I, I think Matt Campbell, uh, you know, I mean, we could probably get disagreements on whether Matt Campbell is a good coach or not a good coach. He has been good against the spread. Some weird things happen in Matt Campbell games that you feel like should be fixable. But also, I, I think he's a pretty good coach. He's good at motivating players. Um, Campbell's 28 and 13 against the spread as an underdog of two points or more. At the same time, Chris Kleiman's 24 and 12 against the spread at Kansas State. So something has to give. Both these guys have been money in general. I think this Iowa State team's a really strange one. They're, they're pretty good, but they have those weird moments. They should have beaten Kansas probably, but they didn't. Uh, Kansas State lost to Tulane and then beat Oklahoma. Uh, to be fair, Tulane might be better than perception, and Oklahoma might be worse than what perception is. So uh, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. If you had just bet the under in every single game that Matt Campbell was coaching, you'd be 67 and 50, 57.3% unders, 10.5% ROI, solid. I have to be honest, if I were betting this game, I think I would bet the under. Um, I might put a little bit on the under of this uh, personally. As far as a side, I think I trust Kansas State a bit more than I trust Iowa State. Um, I think uh, Kansas State has more weapons on offense, more ways that they can win. So I'm going to lean both to the under and Kansas State. And Kyle, you brought up that, that stat about Campbell being an underdog of two points or more. Uh, that's also fitting right into that stat that I've brought up the last two weeks. We'll go on and toss it in here as well because it still fits. Uh, Kansas State, or excuse me, Iowa State as either a favorite or an underdog of three and a half points or anywhere in between. Matt Campbell is now, after the last two weeks, five and 14 against the spread in that spot. So these tight games where there's a tight spread, they have just not been able to cover at any kind of a regular rate. I mean, we're, we're getting close to 25% against the numbers, so definitely not good. Parker, uh, looking at this, you know, I, I told you the special teams are just a disaster. Uh, but Iowa State, I mean, they can slow the run. We we saw what they did against Jalen Daniels, held him to nine yards on eight carries. Uh, the Kansas State offense could be in trouble if they don't have anything else that they can do with the football aside from run Adrian Martinez. Now, we've seen other things. Deuce Vaughn can take the ball. He can, uh, he can do all kinds of stuff. But, eh, you know, number 115 PPA per pass for Kansas State doesn't look great. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, well, well, first off, I tried to, um, while Kyle was talking there, look insightful and nod because that was great information and that's definitely going to be clipped and put on Twitter. So I didn't want to like sit there slack-jawed because uh, that was that was some great stuff, Kyle. Um, I, I do think that Kansas State's passing offense is not developed in the way that they want, but we kind of knew going into the season that they had um, Knowles and, and, and Brooks and really not a lot there uh, besides that in the receiving um, department. So Brooks and Knowles are responsible for 51 of their 115 targets. Warner is, is a distant, you know, right, right up there. He's got 20, um, uh, really, really no tight end involvement to speak of, which I think is very, um, anti-climbing, but, um, I, I really like this spot for Kansas state. I tried to, um, you know, take multiple approaches this week. And I sat down and actually did a couple power ratings, uh, just more in the traditional sense and, uh, rated each unit and actually came away uh, a lot further for my numbers in, in favor of Kansas state here. I think given the injury issues that Iowa state has given their um, consistent 
reliance on the outcome of special teams plays to determine the outcome of games for them. Um, I think that their margins are, are much thinner. Um, this offense is 90th in EPA per play, 72nd in EPA per pass, but 106th in EPA per rush. They are struggling so mightily without having that um, get out of third down free card of Brock Purdy rolls right and finds Charlie Kolar. And I think that they're really missing Brees Hall more than more than a lot of people thought they would. Um, the the defense for Iowa State is a lot better against the past 23rd. We saw how they kind of boxed in Jaden uh, J- uh, Jalen Daniels from Kansas last week. Um, but Kansas State, I think, is so explosive in the rush. And as soon as you commit to Adrian Martinez, they have Deuce Vaughn right there. So a little bit more of a one-two punch in the rushing game than I think um, – uh, most teams have here. So we'll definitely be watching for that. Uh, and if Kansas state can, can try and move the ball downfield. Um, big things that I, I, I think are, you know, red flags for me, Iowa state is 16th in starting field position on drives and they're still 90th in offensive EPA. So they're getting advantages and, and really not able to capitalize. They're 114th on early downs EPA, 35th on third and fourth down success. That is, that's a red flag for me, that big split between how bad they are on early downs and how they're kind of skating by on those third downs. Um, Kansas State's defense is 13th and third and fourth down success rate allowed. I know that, um, you know, first time center for Iowa State is having some issues last week against Kansas with with the snap. They killed a drive, um, just he snapped the ball and no one was looking. And so I, I think Iowa State is kind of in a combination of a rebuilding year in terms of talent. Um, given what they lost from production last year, but also in terms of they're trying to run an offense that maybe they don't have the personnel exactly to run. They were attacking the perimeter a lot against Kansas. And um, I, you know, I don't think they'll be able to do that against Kansas state. I don't think they're fast enough. So I think Kansas state should win this handily. Um, I've, I've got this line by four, four and a half just on the merits without even considering the context. So I'm going to go with the wildcats. I'm going to bet on climbing to, uh, to cover as a road favorite here. Well, let's make it official and we will give Parker Kansas State to cover two and a half. Uh, I like it. I mean, the trend certainly leaned that way. Uh, and yeah, uh, just team strength overall certainly seems to favor Kansas State in this situation. Reminder to everybody, go ahead and like the video. I mean, there's a bunch of you guys watching. We, we just broke 150 likes. What are you guys thinking? Let's hit that thumbs up button. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Of course, make sure that you hit that notification bell. It lets you know when we go live. Of course, that is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Right here, the chat has a life of its own, of course. Uh, I believe James is the one that jumped in talking about Kyle's hat. Just a reminder from yesterday's show, Kyle's hat is now 3-0 and against the spread in the last three shows. Just tossing that out there. 4-1 and in the last five. So, uh, so Kansas State, of course, meshes with Parker's pick there. Not too shabby. Uh, of course, jump into the chat for the Q&A at the end of the show. We've got a few more games that we're going to hit right quick. And, of course, make sure and go back to yesterday's show if some of these uh some of these that you guys are asking are on yesterday's show so go ahead and check that out and of course the podcast uh, the bet us football show on apple spotify etc make sure you leave a nice five-star review that certainly helps us out if you want to support us that's the way you can do it if we ain't talking money or anything like that you ain't gotta buy a subscription to this thing all you gotta do is hit the subscribe button very easy to do and of course the thumbs up so hit them like buttons all right let's move along we got three more this one's going to be fun. Army at Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a 17-point favorite at home. The total sits at 66.5. Of course, latest lines at BetUS. This one's in Truist Field in Winston-Salem last year. 70-56. to 56. This was the most ridiculous ping-pong kind of football game you have ever seen in your life. 
Army, 5-2 and two against the spread against winning teams. However, they are 1-5 and five against the spread in their last six overall. Wake Forest, 5-1 and one against the spread in their last six. They are 9-3-1 and one against the spread against teams with a losing record. This one's on ESPN3. It's at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a night game there in Winston-Salem. Parker, let's start off with you on this. Army has not exactly looked good thus far. They've got close losses to Coastal and UTSA. They just whipped on Villanova, and then they got whipped by Georgia State. Uh, Wake Forest is a different beast, I, I would believe. You uh, you got a feel on this one. Wake Forest is the best defense that Army's seen by uh, a huge amount, which is isn't not that weird? Anything by crazy. the way, yeah, that's that's nuts. Brad Lambert has done great things at Wake Forest already. <laughs> they they really have. Like that's that's surprising to me. Um, but I mean, Army Army's offense is good, but they've played some pretty bad defenses. I have them at 17th in raw EPA per play compared to 13th for Wake Forest defense. So I don't know that they'll be able to score. Um, especially when you look at kind of success rate, they're, they're 35th in offensive success rate. Um, but, uh, Wake Forest is 45th. So it's not like there's a big split with explosiveness or problem for Wake Forest there. That's low hanging fruit. Um, the biggest, the, the unit I like the most in this matchup is Wake Forest receivers. Like their receiving room is sneakily deep, just almost out of nowhere. I mean, we know we talk about AT Perry and, and, uh, but they've really been able to develop some secondary options. They have five guys with 20 targets, um, and, uh, you know, four of those guys are averaging 14 or more yards per reception. And the fifth one, Taylor Morin, is averaging only 9.4, but his average depth of target is, you know, 5.4. So he's kind of the secondary underneath check down option. That's that's five dudes that Army can't cover at the same time. I think Wake Forest could score at will here. Um, and Army always has that weird kind of explosive play just because they're, you know, it's it's almost like playing poker with how they line up and when they choose to pass. And, you know, are they going to bluff and run? And, and how do you account for that? So I think Wake Forest will pop off a couple big plays here. Or excuse me, Army will pop off a couple big plays here, um, which makes me a little bit nervous about a huge, huge line here. But I, I could see this passing the, the total super easily because Wake Forest wide receivers, I think they could score multiple, you know, one to three play drives and not blink an eye. And I, I'm with you. I, I look at Wake Forest scored 70 by themselves and the total in this one is 66 and a half. And I don't think the Army defense has gotten any better. Uh, Kyle, talk to me about this slow mesh, the claw fence, my friend. What, what do you see happening in this one? Yeah, I mean, last year's game, 70 to 56, over 1,200 yards of total offense, one punt in the entire game, Wake Forest with 12.3 yards per play. That's really insane, 12.3 yards per play for an entire game. Army's defense is not good. I, I don't think they're good. Uh, some of their good outings have been against really weak de- uh, offenses. And uh, Coastal put up 38 on them. UTSA put up 41 on them. Uh, Army's definitely at their worst in pass coverage. You know, they play so many of those teams that run that triple option. When they finally uh, play somebody that can throw it, it's tough for them. And Parker's completely right. The, the biggest mismatch here is with the wide receivers of Wake Forest against Army's uh, DBs. I have very little doubt that Wake Forest will put up a big number in this one. And to be to be fair, I am going to take the over in this one. I see some in the chat taking the under, so we're going to be against each other on that one. But I'm going to take the over in this one. This one has moved a point and a half. Um, I think if I were choosing and I had the option right now, I'd probably take Wake Forest team total over because I'm most confident that Wake Forest will score. I really don't see anything that makes me uh, think that uh, Army is going to be able to change. Uh, you know, last year it was 70 to 56. I'm not suggesting it's going to be 70 points again, certainly. But I think that Wake Forest will score a lot. 
Um, and Wake Forest being the clear favorite in this game, in my opinion, helps the over because Wake Forest has continually pushed tempo uh, even when they're ahead. And Wake Forest playing from the lead forces Army to not just use the clock and waste all kinds of time. They have to pick up their pace. Uh, I think that will help Army second to last in the country in tackles for loss. I think Wake Forest plays ahead of the chains all the way through this one. And, you know, can Army score a lot as well? Uh, Wake Forest is 104th in PFF at tackling grade. Poor tackling is not a great problem to have up against a triple option. So I think Army can score a decent amount of points here. Um, I would lean toward a Wake cover in this one, but I'm going to take the over. I think the high total is justified in this one. It does totally make sense. Army's defense, by the way, number 123 PPA per pass, number 127 in pass success rate allowed. Uh, yeah, Wake Forest could have an absolute field day here. So we'll make it official. Kyle is going to roll with the over at 66 and a half. Obviously liked it more when it was 65 at open, uh, but 66 and a half, not too bad thus far. So not too shabby. And of course, uh, the lean, Kyle, I believe you said to Wake Forest team total over. Is that right? Yeah, I, I like that as well, too. I mean, obviously, that'll be a high number, but I think they can uh, reach it here. I like it. All right, we got two more games to hit before we jump into the Q&A. Let's go ahead and roll through them. Pretty big ones here. Texas A&M heads to Tuscaloosa. Alabama, a 24-point home favorite. The total sits at 51.5. So a lot of points to give up with a total that is below 52 there in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, last year, A&M got the win. 41 to 38 here. Uh, of course, these latest numbers at BetUS. Alabama eight and two straight up in their last ten. Five and three against the spread in the last eight against Texas A&M. A&M, looking at these trends, uh, one and five against the spread on the road. Six and two, however, against the spread against winning teams. Alabama eight and two against the spread in their last ten as a three touchdown home favorite. They are good at covering the big numbers. We'll see if they can do so here as well. Kyle. Let's start with you, Max Johnson, questionable. Uh, we're not sure exactly what A&M is going to try and do, but what I know that they've had trouble doing is scoring. Uh, do you see any way they can score on Alabama in this ballgame? Honestly, this game looked a whole lot better in the offseason than it does now, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I was, I was really looking forward to this game, and now it's kind of, I mean, I, I, okay, it's kind of exciting, but not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, Jimbo talked a great game in the offseason, that's for sure. Uh, I think Saban has to have this game circled, obviously. Uh, Texas A&M's passing attack, just terrible. 121st in passing grade at PFF. Guys, that's just behind New Mexico, Northwestern, and Wyoming. I mean, uh, that's that's pretty sad, you know, to be behind those guys. Um, you know, uh, A&M has played a difficult schedule, certainly. Um, nothing in that time, though, has made me feel good about their chances of hanging around in this game. You know, none of those games where they played somebody that was good did I think that they're going to be able to hang around with Alabama. A&M's 111th in rushing play success rate allowed. And really, Alabama's been running the football very well of late. I think Alabama will run the ball uh, all over A&M in this one. Uh, the only thing I tried to come up with some negative things to say about Alabama here. Um, they've had a little bit of fumble luck. Uh, seven times they've fumbled. They've lost only one of those uh, fumbles. So a little bit of that. Um, that's about the only negative I could find. There's not nearly enough uh, for me to want to bet A&M in this game. I just don't see enough ways for them to score enough points. And if this game is, you know, at 20 some points at the end of the game, I think this is a far more likely spot that Alabama will score an extra touchdown than let A&M score a touchdown. And no, uh, most certainly uh, the PPA margin, by the way, in this one, Alabama number five in the country. A&M number 88. I mean, this is a big mismatch on paper when you look at the advanced statistics. 
Uh, Parker, let's move it over to you. You know, it looks like the Alabama wide receivers, uh, Harold and Anderson, are both going to be, uh, excuse me, be available. JoJo Earl, of course, came back last week. Uh, it looks like they've got all the pieces except for maybe the guy that is going to throw him the football. Uh, Bryce Young appears he may be out for this game. If Milrow starts at quarterback, uh, there's going to be yards that Alabama can make up in different ways other than throwing the football, right? Uh, I think the offense changes quite a bit with him in there. How do you feel about this one? I, I I think that Alabama without Bryce Bryce Young could play this almost like you know your your teenage self played Madden where you would just beat Donovan McNabb and run four verts and then <laughs> hand it off maybe at the last second or take off like it could be it could be chaos. Um, uh, Texas A&M's rushing defense is real bad, 107th in the nation in EPA per play. Alabama's 32nd. The reason that Texas A&M won last year is that there were some philosophical differences about what Alabama should do in the red zone that I think have been rectified. Was that uh, sufficiently diplomatic to talk about how they handled that situation? <laughs> I, I think so. Um, and so with Jameer Gibbs, I mean, he's averaging over eight yards a carry. He's, he's, I think there's more that he can do for this offense. Um, and if they have more wide receivers down there, that only, you know, stretches the defense a little thinner. AM does have some uh, issues. Numbers wise, especially with Alabama being at home, I think that I would I would favor Alabama covering the spite angle that that Kyle brought up is is certainly wise as well. Um, but I can't bet on this without knowing the status of um, starting quarterback. Just um, I, you know, especially in a game where emotions are high and Jimbo Fisher does have this weird ability to do some unexpected things sometimes. I I think that if A and M pulled this out, it would be maybe the funniest result of college football in, in my <laughs> lifetime. Um, without a doubt. And um, I mean, we could even see a cycle where yet again, a Texas A&M quarterback beats Alabama and then isn't actually good. So he transfers and gets beat out at a place that he transferred to, like we saw with Calzada. So could be a lot of, lot of kind of off field narrative potential for this to be very funny. But um, the, the biggest issue with Alabama last year was they couldn't finish drives. They're 14th in points per quality possession right now, 5.48. So slightly leaning towards Alabama covering, but can't in good conscience put money on this with, without knowing the status of the quarterbacks. Yeah, the offensive line, I think, was the the biggest question for Alabama last year because once they'd get into the red zone, teams would blitz or they would just pressure right up the middle, and uh, they didn't exactly know what to do unless Bryce Young just made some kind of miraculous play. Uh, if you don't have Bryce Young, uh, maybe the miraculous plays go away, but as we saw in the fourth quarter against Arkansas last week, I mean, they broke off three something yard runs, and uh, and that was it. That's all she wrote. In this situation, I think it might be a little bit more difficult to be able to break off runs like that but at the same time, I think it, this is going to sound ridiculous, and I understand that. Having Milrow in there is not necessarily a bad thing for the offense because I think it makes Bill O'Brien's offense even more basic, right? Uh, one of the frustrating things that you would see in the Texas game was them not snapping the ball until late, late in the play clock because they were constantly changing things up. And you can do that when you have somebody like Bryce yeah. Young. Uh, when you when you have Jalen Milrow, you got to roll with what you got, and at that point, everybody knows the roles, everybody knows what's going to happen. In that situation, I mean, it's just man on man, and yes, it's it, these two teams are very talented, but Alabama has proved to be much more efficient this season than Texas A&M. I would lean Alabama, but no official play on this one, uh, especially not knowing the status of the quarterback. Uh, and Nick Saban's not going to tell anybody any of that right now. So who knows what's going to happen there. But uh, but definitely will be an interesting watch. Uh, of course, leading at this, I would say that this is a, a look-ahead spot, of course, for Alabama, which is weird with Texas A&M coming in. But, of course, Bama's got Tennessee on the road next week. 
kind of a big deal. So we'll we'll see exactly what happens in this one on Saturday night. All right, last game to hit here, ABC game. No, 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 ACC Network game, excuse me. Uh, had a chance to be an ABC game. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Florida State heads to NC State. Of course, Carter Finley Stadium in Raleigh, North Carolina. NC State, a three-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total at 51, latest numbers at BetUS. NC State won this matchup last year 28-14, and it's kind of become a regular thing. They are 8-2 against the spread in the last 10 against Florida State, 5-5 five five straight up in the last 10. Florida State, this season, 4-0 against the spread on the road. NC State, 7-0 against the spread after a straight-up loss in their last seven instances of that. Uh, of course, NC State got beat last week against Clemson. Uh, they're coming back home. They're playing a pretty big opponent in a night game. They should be fired up for this one. Florida State has a list of injuries, and these guys that are backing them up are just not near as good as the ones that were there before. Uh, Florida State, I mean, you saw it last week against Wake Forest. Florida State, number 99 in passing success rate allowed, number 89 rushing success rate allowed in the last four weeks. I mean, if Jordan Travis can make some magic, maybe. Uh, but that offensive line, a little bit banged up right now, it, it's very questionable. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to toss this over to you. Uh NC State got handled by Clemson, but they've got a lot more talent, it feels like, than Florida State. Uh, give me some thoughts on this. I mean, they're number nine in overall defensive success rate. I, I kind of like the Wolfpack here. I'm really torn on this game. Uh, I think situationally, how you view this game could, uh, you know, I could see both sides. Is it a bounce back spot after a loss to a really good team? Or is it a spot where NC State put everything into a game against Clemson to try to show that they're the top team and they came up short, uh, you know, which in which it could be considered a dangerous spot? I think that's hard to say. Uh, people with a, their own narrative could push it either way, right? So um, NC State's defense is tremendous, no denying that. They're good at all three levels. The linebackers and secondary are excellent. Um, I think Florida State will try to run the football as much as they can in this game. Florida State is 11th in the nation in yards per play margin. Uh, they did run up the yards per play uh, quite a bit in some of the, their uh, big wins against weak teams. They did have a misleading loss to Wake Forest last week, 6.2 yards per play to 4.8 for Wake. Uh, Florida State had 11 penalties and a negative one turnover margin. Florida State did win at Louisville, but Louisville is really bad. We've talked about this multiple times now. Step up in class in their second road game. Winning at Louisville and winning at NC State is totally different things, especially this year. So uh, I, I don't trust Devin Leary that much. I've not been terribly impressed with him and the offense in general. I do love the NC State defense. And as Gary said, uh, Florida State has a ton of injuries right now. I, I think... Uh, I lean to the under in this one. I kind of think this could be an under game. Uh, if if I had to make a bet, I, I don't really have a side that I like here, but I'm going to lean to the under here. Yeah, I, I kind of like that idea there. Uh, two defensive teams, it feels like. They, uh, I don't think the offense for Florida State is going to be clicking quite as much this go-around. Parker, uh, throwing this thing over to you, NC State is number 20 on passing downs PPA offense. Uh, basically, late downs uh, situation there, I'm, I'm – I don't think that that's going to necessarily matter in this game, but Florida State is number 104 in that metric on defense. Uh, if Devin Leary can take advantage of the back seven for Florida State, then, yeah, this one could maybe get out of hand. Uh, but, of course, a lot of, lot of different things going on in this game. How are you reading this one? This one felt a little bit like holding my nose, I think, and making a bet based on process. But I, I've I've actually felt a little bit better about it as I've um, looked into it, as we've seen some of the injury issues for Florida State. And um, 
I mean, I, I think last week someone asked if Florida State was underrated, and I um, and I said against Wake, no, I don't, I don't think they were, and it was too cowardly to make a pick, but I think that still stands. I do think that Florida State still has a little bit of a bump here. NC State 22nd in raw EPA per play margin, Florida State 31st, but their defense is 67th. So um, a lot of opportunity for this defense to be on the field for a really long time when depth is already an issue and injury is an issue. You're looking at what, what, what could potentially spiral um, and be really hard to overcome, even with a dynamic playmaker like Jordan Travis. You know, Florida State 19th in EPA per pass, 46th in EPA per rush, but NC State's defense is 14th overall. So I think that, um, you know, Florida State's on offense has survived as as you're prone to do with a mobile quarterback and an erratic offense. Your third downs are often much better because it's kind of like, hey, in chaos, if a guy has a little bit of vision, he can actually create a lot of value there. So Florida State is 23rd in third and fourth down success, but NC State has actually been really good uh, defending those late downs, 17th overall. So I, I really think that Everything, everything here says that Florida State, even at full strength, would would struggle to move the ball consistently enough um, against this NC State defense. You add in some of the injuries and 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 some of the issues on defense. Uh, I think NC State is the right play here at home. Um, got a half point in my favor, so I feel good about that. I think it opened at three and a half. I'll take it at three. That's uh, that's a little easier. So. Yeah, opened three and a half. Uh, opened the total at fifty two. So the total came down and the spread came down. I tend to agree with you, Parker. Uh, I'm not going to make it official, but uh, but we will make it official for Parker. He's going to take the Wolfpack at minus three. Uh, I like it. I, I just I, I don't trust Florida State right now with all the different injuries and all the things that are going on there. Uh, if if I had to lean a certain way, I'd certainly go NC State. All right, you guys go ahead and like the video for us. Make sure and get that thing up to 250. Uh, Kyle, that was pretty entertaining. You and I both <laughs> sending it at the exact same time. I uh, promise we didn't do that on purpose, guys. That was not scripted. <laughs> it was uh, very entertaining. So uh, Arbone said 300 likes hit yesterday. It's a woohoo on that. Yeah, no, Arbone for sure. Uh, but if we can get to 250 today, that'd be pretty awesome. So we're we're doing well right now. A lot of people watching. Of course, we've got a lot of Q&A that we got to hit. Let me go on and remind you. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, and that way you can jump into the chat and toss in your questions there. So make sure that you are subscribed, hit the notification bell, and of course, like the video. That's uh that's a massive, massive thing for this YouTube algorithm, whatever stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So make sure that you like the video for us. Starting in with Q&A, we're going to do rapid fire again. Shane Cash jumps in. Kyle, uh, thoughts on Vanderbilt Ole Miss? Got any, uh, got any thoughts on this one? I do have thoughts on this one. Uh, in fact, guys, I'm going to make an official play here. This is the first time I've done an official play in the Q&A. Um, the Western Kentucky one moved three points. I actually like this one better now. So I'm going to take Ole Miss and Bandy under the total. Ole Miss's defense has been very good throughout the course of the season. Um, this, this is not an Ole Miss team that I think uh, is going to give up a lot of points to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt could probably score some here. But the other thing I like about this is Vandy played very slow uh, the last couple games. Their tempo has gone much slower. I think they kind of realize that they don't want shootouts at this point. And Ole Miss, uh, we've talked about this in recent weeks, Ole Miss seems very happy to run the football consistently, especially with a lead. Uh, Jackson Dart has really not been that good. He just takes these really deep shots that – uh, they haven't been landing. Hopefully they don't land here in this one. But I'm going to take under 62, guys. I think Ole Miss uh, wins comfortably. And if they get ahead in the fourth quarter, there's a lot of moving clock in this game. Uh, Vanderbilt just does enough to slow them down on defense. They are better against the run than the pass. So my official play here, under 62. 
I like it. That's the first time we've done this. An official play coming from the Q&A. Not too shabby. All right, so under 62 on Ole Miss Vandy for Kyle. I like it. Uh, moving right along, Big Trouble Jack jumps in. Q&A, Iowa versus Illinois. Thoughts? Parker, let's toss this thing over to you. Uh, Bielema, massive win last week. Is this a bit of a letdown spot for them? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious your thoughts because I'm still trying to figure out this game. I think the spread is three and a half in favor of Illinois right now. Um, yeah, so Illinois is a favorite is interesting. I think if Illinois was any kind of dog, I would have already bet a lot of money on, on them to cover. Uh, but, you know, I think I, I guess it was like the BYU Baylor game week one where we were all like, dang, I wish we could have bet on BYU as a as an under or a Baylor as an underdog, not as a favorite. Um, Iowa's offense is just not getting better, man. No. It's 128th in EPA per play. There is no cavalry coming. There are no reinforcements. This is what it is. Uh, Illinois' defense is fourth in EPA per play. They're actually on a per-play per basis better than Iowa's defense. Illinois on offense has also not really made those mistakes that um, kind of correlate to winning a game Iowa style um, in terms of you know massive turnovers, big plays, and everything. So I, I, I like the balance of Illinois here. Um, it scares me to bet them as a favorite, but on principle with the numbers, uh, I have this at like three and a Three and three quarters, almost four points for Illinois. So would slightly lean towards Illinois, but um, uh, just with with offensive uncertainty and the defense is being so good, I think you're betting on a special team score there. So I'm a little bit wary of it. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree. Uh, moving right along, Heath Harrelson, Q&A for Kyle. Can Ohio State cover against Michigan State with the running back Travion Henderson back in the lineup? Uh, you got a thought on the Buckeyes here, Kyle? Um, you know, Ohio State, this this one's been steamed in a big way, right? Ohio State was not favored by this earlier in the week. I think it's it's gone up uh, three points or so. Uh, this is their first road game, guys. So I, I don't really want to lay four touchdowns in a team's first road game, even if they're as talented as Ohio State. Uh, going to the game the other day, it's just a funny one where uh, Mayan Williams had that massive game, obviously. Um Williams, uh, it seems like a lot of the people around Ohio State are now convinced that Williams is better than Travion Henderson. I don't think that's true. Uh, I think Williams is a really good backup and a very good running back. I think uh, Henderson is still the the NFL prospect of the two of them, uh, especially with his speed and, and a breakaway ability. So uh, I think I would bet the over if I were betting this game. Uh, but, man, that makes me a little bit nervous because do I trust uh, Thorne enough? You know, that's that's the thing is uh, I think Ohio State's defense is better enough that I do at least question how many points Michigan State will score. So this is a long way of me saying uh, I'm scared to lay that many points with Ohio State. That does make sense. That total is at 65. Uh, Ohio State a favorite by 27. Uh, maybe Ohio State team total. Maybe. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, moving right along, Dominic Jefferson, uh, who are you taking tonight's game, SMU or UCF? We hit that one uh, in yesterday's Q&A. So you can go back and check out yesterday's show. Uh, T-Wall 44 jumps in. Do you guys think the Cornhuskers can pull off a win with some motivation from the Indiana game? Now, of course, Nebraska is facing Rutgers on Friday night. Parker, uh, looking at what the Cornhuskers did last week, I mean, they obviously love Mickey Joseph. Uh, they're favored by three on the road at Rutgers. The total is only 49 in that game. Uh, you got you to gotta read on the Huskers here. I, it's like Big Ten football wants me to hate it, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, this is, this, my preview is just all red here. Um, 
Rutgers defense has actually been okay. Their offense has just been absolutely incompetent and they've had some issues with, you know, consistency and with personnel and stuff. So uh, I, I think that um, Nebraska's defense in many ways is kind of the cure for the common offense. Rutgers might be able to move the ball a little bit. My, my numbers like Rutgers to cover. Um, I don't want to bet on Rutgers to cover. Is that a sufficient <laughs> answer? <laughs> that's, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Uh, Kyle, we've got a, we got a good handicapping question here from Ryan Campbell. Uh, he said, is there value on games with huge discrepancies in time of possession? Now, Parker, don't get too irritated over there. I know you don't necessarily like time of possession. I haven't even I, said anything. I didn't even make a facial <laughs> response. I know. I just know you. I, anytime somebody brings up time of possession, I know what you're thinking. He said, so when one team plays so fast and the other controls the ball, the team that plays fast can be thrown off. It says, for example, Navy and Tulsa. Uh, Kyle, you got an idea on exactly what to do when a team uh, can control the ball and the other one just really likes to play fast? Uh, this is a tough question. I mean, I, I like tough questions, but to be honest, I don't look at time of possession very much at all. So Parker and I probably agree quite a bit on time of yes. possession. But but honestly, uh, time of possession uh, is one of those stats that these people on TV love to talk about, right? Like, oh, they have time of possession by 15 minutes. So, you know, they're really dominating this game, and yet the game's tied. And the other team ends up winning. And it's like, well, so much of that domination. Um, I think the concern is when you play really quick and you're not efficient on offense, right? So we've had uh, teams like Nebraska do that in the past. I mean, they play ultra fast just to go three and out and put their bad defense back on the field. So I think it depends on if your defense is good enough and also if you can get some first downs and get rolling. Uh, so I, I guess I, I guess I would say that there's not a perfect answer for that question. It's more of a case-to-case -case basis for me. Indiana might be a good example uh, this season. True. So they have yeah, very moved fast. Very inefficient. Uh, a good example of this was the Army and Oklahoma game from, what, 2018, I guess, when Baker was still there, or 2017, whatever it was, uh, where that thing went. Or no, was that the Kyler Murray year? I can't remember. Either way, the thing ended up going to overtime. I mean, And I think Oklahoma had a total of four drives in the game. Like, but they scored really quickly every time, and Army just held on the ball for like 50 minutes in the game. It was it was bonkers. Um, but I, the biggest thing to pay attention to is efficiency. Don't pay attention to time of possession. I guess that's the easiest answer. Uh, Kenneth Dalton jumps in. Do you guys think Oregon minus 12 and a half will blow out Arizona in Tucson? I don't see how they won't. Um, I'll be very honest here, uh, Parker. I'm going to get your opinion on this. I thought long and hard about taking Oregon as an official play this week. But when you go and you dive into Arizona's numbers, there's something there that they might be able to take advantage of with Oregon. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I was I was scared off of the number. Uh, Parker, do you have any thoughts on, on the Ducks here? Arizona 27th in EPA per pass. Oregon's defense is 87th in EPA per pass. That's so what it is. That's what I'm worried about. Yep, I think we saw the same thing there. I, nothing nothing to love about Arizona's defense against Oregon's offense. I think they'll score. But with Cowing, I think that um, Arizona has an upside on, on pass ceiling that just looks like uh, they could exploit against Oregon. So my number, you know, numbers say that on average, Oregon should beat them and should cover. But the variance there is so wide with that passing game on Arizona that I I, I don't have a play on it. Yeah, hey, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I liked it, but... Yeah, staying away. I think Arizona could find a way to uh, to do something there. Alex Trimley jumps in. Q&A, Houston plus three against Memphis. Pretty similar stats. Houston has played better teams. I like Houston. What about you guys? Uh, I mean, the game is in Memphis on a Friday night. Memphis has been 
pretty good so far this year. Uh, their defense has created a lot of plays, and that's something that Houston has not had a whole lot of luck in this year. Uh, so I I look at that one. I mean, it, it's a complete stay away for me. Um, but, Kyle, I, I'm curious about you here. What about the Cougars and the Tigers on Friday night? You guys are going to have to trust Houston without me. I, I, I'm not betting Houston. You know, you'd have to give me a huge number There's to want to bet no Houston chance. here. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the team chemistry uh, seems to be a major problem. Um, I think Memphis, just just based on that alone, would be the side that I would have to bet. You know, I think this is a game that if you looked at it preseason and you saw this was going to be the line, you'd think, oh, my gosh, I have to take Houston. This is amazing. Uh, and then you look at what's actually happened on the field instead of, you know, just what their talent should be. I think it's really hard to take them. So uh, I'm not going to bet the game, but I, I would lean Memphis. I, yeah, I could definitely understand that. Uh, I, you just can't trust Houston right now. I mean, there's just problems with that team. Uh, Heath Harrelson, question for Parker. Can Missouri cover 11 against Florida? They played Georgia tough last week. Uh, give me Give me some thoughts here. Yeah, really great matchup um, issue for Georgia, just with kind of zone and gap schemes, and Missouri really sold out and and put a, a level there. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> but I think that um, just the thought of Missouri football brings a, 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 a cough to my throat. There, um, I, looking at this, I think that they'll be a little bit more matched. So I, I mean, Missouri's defense is a little bit better, but Florida relies on the rush a little bit more on offense than than Georgia does. And, um, the, you know, they're they're 94th in rush rate over expectation and they're seventh in EPA per rush. So I, I trust them to be a little more stable. Um, and I, I certainly don't think Missouri's offense is very good. They got some help with some turnovers and had some advantageous starting field position against Georgia and, and just kick field goals. So I don't think there's any reason to believe that anything uh, last last week uh, was uh, that that last week was anything other than just Georgia being bored. Um and so I, I I don't expect Missouri to to put together a similar performance against Florida. And that I kind of feel the same way. I think that Missouri put everything they had into last week, and now it's kind of it's going to be kind of tough to go on the road at Florida. Uh, definitely a stay away for me because I can't trust Florida. And so yeah, staying away there. Uh, Durko Gaming jumps in. Uh, Kyle, does App State cover nineteen and a half at Texas State? Uh, I don't have a feel on this one. Like I don't, I still can't read App State. Kyle, you you got a feel on it? Gary, I was hoping you did have a feel on this game because I have no <laughs> idea what to say about this game. Um, I I think uh, Texas State is a team that coming into the season I thought would be a good over team. Uh, it makes me wonder if they've kind of realized that their offense is just so inefficient, like we talked about here a minute ago, that they've decided to slow it down because their pace is definitely down. Before the season, in my notes, I had that I wanted to bet the over in this game. I kind of go through and look at games and say, what do I think I want to bet? Uh, I don't think I'm as interested in the over as I was in the preseason. So uh, just a hard pass for me. It does make sense. By the way, my my number on this is actually App State minus 15. And that's based on the last four weeks of stats. So, you know, there's questions there. Uh, let's see. Moving right along. Oh, by the way, uh, we need one more like to hit 250. So go ahead and hit that like button if you have not done so already. Uh, we appreciate everybody in the chat for sure. We got a few more that we're going to hit. Throw a dog a bone. Is Mel Tucker on the hot seat? I'm going to open this up to both of y'all. Anybody, I don't, I don't think uh, this will happen anytime in the next three years. They could go winless for two straight seasons, and they wouldn't buy him out yet because they just gave him a, a near $100 million guaranteed contract. They ain't buying this dude out right now. This ain't Texas A&M. Like, what are we talking about? 
Like anybody else got a feel on it besides that? Probably bringing a pass game coordinator. <laughs> they or, or maybe somebody that can coach a secondary. Even though yeah, that's what maybe, Mel Tucker was supposed to defensive, do. Yeah, maybe maybe some defensive coordinator realignment too. Yeah. Yes. A lot of different things. Too uh, much money. Oh yeah, way too much. Way too much. A, a lot of people. Uh, but as Parker has said on Twitter multiple times, buyouts aren't real. Not so real. We'll, we'll see. We'll see if they are or not. Dominic Jefferson, thoughts on Pitt covering 14 over Virginia Tech. Kyle, you want this one? I, I mean, I kind of like the under in this game, but it's been bet down by three points. Um, you know, how's Virginia Tech going to score? Uh, Virginia Tech's offense is really bad. At the same point, um, I don't want to make it a habit of laying 14 and a half points with Narduzzi. Uh, you know, he might kick a field goal from the half yard line. So I, I just don't <laughs> think, I just don't think it's a good practice long-term. Uh, I still lean to the under. I know it's so low, but I think this could be a really low scoring game. Yeah. I, I tend to agree there. I tend to agree. Uh, Pitt still getting favored by two touchdowns just every week against these lower. It, we saw it last week. I mean, Georgia tech went in and beat them. Uh, just ridiculous. All right, uh, Muffin Man. Let's see. Uh, can James Madison make a bowl game this year? Uh, no, they cannot. No, they can't make a bowl. They can't <laughs> win the conference. Uh, none of that. So even if they are the best team in the G five, they can't go to New Year Six. They can't go to any bowl. Uh, I believe it's is it two years, Parker? Do you remember? I feel just like the they appealed. Year? I think I feel like they appealed, but I don't remember the result. I think it's just the first year of the transition. You're not allowed to. Yeah. So transition year, no bowl game this year. Uh, Grayson jumps in. Q&A, does Fresno State cover the 7.5 against Boise? Is that thing 7.5 now? Da, 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 da. I'm looking for the latest line. And we have got uh, – I don't see it. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, it, regardless, Parker, you got a feel on Fresno and Boise here. Um, slightly would lean towards Fresno covering just because I think it's going to be a super low total because both offenses are really, really bad this season. So would, would, would be okay with betting the, um, betting the, the road dog in a, um, in a low total game if you think that's what's going to happen, but I don't have an official play. Yeah. I don't, do we know that Hayner's coming back? I don't think he's coming back this week. So if we don't have Hayner, I mean, this is a Fresno team that got beat by UConn last week. Uh, yeah, I do like the green kid. From Boise State, like Dirk Cutter found some ways to, that is the new offensive coordinator at Boise, uh, they found a way to get that offense moving in the second half against San Diego State. Uh, so, mm, kind of a stay away, just another data point for me personally. Uh, T-Wall44 jumped in. Does anybody else think Purdue can beat Maryland? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel about that? Sure. I think I think Maryland's pass defense is suspect. Um, you know, in fact, I, I do like Purdue in that game a decent amount. I wonder if uh, I see three. I think this was three and a half, right? So it was four. Okay, yep. so three and a half might come back. I see some of some mm. books are juiced, so I might hold out for the three and a half. But I, I think even if you bet Purdue, you probably want to bet something on the money line here because there's a wide range of outcomes. Uh, Aiden O'Connell could take advantage of this Maryland secondary that looks quite a bit better this year, but. They haven't really played that many good teams uh, through the air either. So I, I th think I do like Purdue in this game. And that does make sense. Money line at BetUS is Purdue plus 130. So not too bad. If you want to bet the plus three, that's minus 105. So not uh, not too crazy. All right, last question here, and, uh, and then we will jump into the 
official plays segment. Gene Walker, what is the best source for accurate injury updates for college football? I might should have picked a different question. Uh, Gene, there is a there's a couple of different ones. All right, so there's the USA Today stuff, uh, but the biggest thing is just going to be Twitter. There's not a good collection, really. Uh, Parker, is it is there college fantasy updates? Like I know there's one yeah, there. Yeah, there's there's an account at FBS Fantasy Foot, and he just like follows all the beat writers and and aggregates stuff. I think this season he may have put stuff behind a paywall, so I'm not advertising for him. But at least I know on Twitter he kind of will like his most recent retweet is like Alabama QB Bryce Young remains day to day, and it's a quote from Nick Saban. So he's yeah. he's a good aggregator there at FBS Fantasy Foot is the, that's, uh, the Twitter handle. Yeah, he does. Uh, that's the College Fantasy Update or whatever uh, website CollegeFantasyUpdate.com. So, but that's the paywall stuff. I think he does some stuff for free, but regardless, it's all aggregated on his uh, Twitter account. So. Best way to follow right there. Uh, scrolling through one more time. Uh, let's see. Heath wants to know, Gary, give me your pick on the Huskies. Um, I'm staying away from Washington this week against Arizona State. I still don't know what Arizona State is. They looked pretty decent against USC last week. Some of that might have been turnover. Some of that might have been USC looking past them. Uh, I want to know what Washington is able to do after a loss. So I ain't touching it if I had to lean a certain way. Probably ride with Washington because I think they can throw on that Arizona State defense uh, much the same way we saw Eastern Michigan be able to do it. So that would be my lean there. All right, gentlemen, um, let's go ahead and get some more likes. If you would so kindly hit that thumbs up button and let's dive into the best bets segment for this show. We got some good ones here. And look at that updated graphic tossed in Kyle's most recent. Pick. I like it. I like it. Parker, what have you got for us today? Um, I've got four. I like, uh, again, again, some favorites this week, riding with the favorites. I like Air Force minus 10 and a half, James Madison minus 11 and a half, Kansas State minus two and a half, and NC State uh, on, on Saturday night minus three. I, I, can, I can dig it. I can dig it. We've got one that we find similar. Air Force minus 10 and a half. I like that against Utah State. They can't stop the run. BYU plus three and a half. I think this is a big spot for the Cougars against Notre Dame and Troy minus six and a half at home against Southern Miss. I uh, like that Troy defensive line quite a bit. Kyle, what have you got for us? I've got Army and Wake Forest over 66 and a half. And then the, the bonus ad there of Ole Miss and Vanderbilt under 62. Uh, shout out to the graphics team for getting hard to work on putting that one on here. You better believe that. Got that thing knocked out fast, huh? All right, so uh, that is going to wrap up this week's shows. Not too shabby, of course. If you missed yesterday's show, make sure you go back and watch that one. We have given out quite a few picks. I think we have discussed 18 games. Full breakdown and analysis on a bunch of stuff this week. So uh, if you have any more questions, obviously you can jump into the comments afterwards. Uh, I know that we are all doing our best to get into the comments and actually respond to stuff, but you can also reach out to us on Twitter. All of our Twitter names or Twitter handles, whatever they're called, are in the description below on YouTube uh, and on the podcast, I believe. So make sure that you can hit us up whenever you got questions about games that we didn't go over. You can always do that right there. With that said, uh, if you like the video, uh, then go ahead, subscribe to the channel, and of course, hit that notification bell. We do this every Tuesday, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and of course, the podcast, jump in the comments, etc. All those different things actually help out the show significantly. So we certainly appreciate you all for being here. Joe, Heath, Frank, T-Wall, Arbone, Melvin, Julius, Lee, Andrew, etc. You guys are the backbone of the show, and we certainly appreciate you. 
for BetUS, where the game begins. God bless college football, and we'll see you all again next week.